welcome to another episode of Podcasting Success Secrets. My name is Hector Santi Esteban, and I am your host, your guide, and merely your facilitator for today. And today we are talking with Pilar Ortiz. She's the host of the 21st Century Work Life Podcast. I'm excited to get into your journey. Welcome, Pilar. Thanks for hanging out today. Hello, thanks for having me. Hello, listeners. There's a lot of people who will tell you that there's a right way to do a podcast, and there's the only way to do a podcast. We do these episodes because there are a lot of podcast gurus, and there are a lot of people that will tell you that there's a certain way to do a show or a podcast. What we found is that there are so many niches and so many genres and varieties and styles of shows that by bringing people like you on who are out there doing it that we can learn just from you sharing your journey. And I found that, yes, we can absolutely learn from the successes, but there's even more learning sometimes that can be gained from the failures. And so I'm excited to just dive in and share some of the ins and outs of your journey. But take us back to the beginning of the show, wherever the inception of the show started or however far back you think that might be, and then catch us a little bit about the show and and what it's about. So 21st Century Work Life was not the first show I started podcasting with. I knew I wanted to do something that was connected to my work in some shape or form. I was doing leadership training then, but I didn't want to start. Actually, I'm lying. I did start a show called Leadership in Your Pocket, I think it was, which was just me reading some stuff from my book. I think I did two or three episodes and then I stopped it. But then I had a book about Spanish culture and I wanted to promote it. And I thought, I'm not a Spanish specialist or a specialist in Spain. I just have this book that was quite fun to write about. Let me get that topic and see what I can do and start playing with podcasting. And I think this was maybe 2011, 2012. I don't even remember. And the show was called Spain Uncovered. I had a whole network of people who were based in Spain, but who weren't Spanish. So expats who were doing stuff about Spain. And I thought, oh, there's a great, like a whole bunch of people. And I started to look and I bought myself a blue Nessie, which I don't think you have those microphones anymore. (laughs) And I found out that I could get a plugin for Skype. And so I could interview people. I downloaded Audacity or GarageBand and I started to play. And the stakes were very low for that show because I didn't want to carve a niche for myself in that space or anything. I just wanted to practice podcasting. And so that's how it started. And I carried on with that show. And then I went on to 21st Century Work Life. Whatever success is, if they're able to sustain a show, it's often on the second, or for me, it was on the third or the fourth try, because I I started my very first podcast a few weeks before my first child was born. Things that you learn though, right? We work with a lot of businesses and we start podcasts for their businesses. And so not that the stakes are the highest, but the stakes are higher and they end up trying to make things perfect at the expense of doing anything. Why was that an intentional decision? Is that something that you went into it at the beginning or realized reflecting on it? Explore that. and I'd love to unpack that a little bit. It was a conscious decision that I wanted something so that I could do things badly and it wouldn't really matter. For me, podcasting is an art form. It's part of myself. It's an expression. It's sharing what I'm thinking. And then, of course, there's the style and how you do it. It's when you're a solo podcast, especially, you're looking after everything. So the chance of you doing something badly is quite high. So either you can be not great behind the microphone or your audio can't be great or your microphone can't be. There's so many things that can go wrong. 
if you want to get it right, be okay with making mistakes. Because if you're not okay with making mistakes, you're not going to do the thing. There's a blessing maybe in, in naivety sometimes that not knowing is sometimes even better. I had my very first microphone that I started recording with was a Blue Yeti. And I was listening back to that first podcast that I started. And I remember listening and saying, what is that noise that's in the background? And it took me a while, but I realized it was the freeway. You could hear the freeway and hear the cars, the rumbling. I lived across a big street from a freeway. But that sort of thing and looking back on it, it, it spooked me. But I'm glad I didn't realize it or know it in the moment. Because if I would have said that, I would have said, I need a new microphone. It's not going to be able to afford it. I'm not going to, whatever it is. And there's so much to just being able to also do it and just get started and going. You just never get on with it, if not. For some people, it is something that they want to get out and they want to get it right quite early on because of the medium or if it's a part of your business and you really have to get out there. Maybe there is sometimes more pressure to get it right straight away. Like you're saying at the beginning, it just all depends. That is also a big part of podcasting. There's the hobby podcaster, someone who's just doing it for fun. The artistic podcaster, right? Who's all about the art and not about the content. And then you've got this entrepreneurial podcaster who has a business and then sees podcasts as a way to grow their business. The other one is an aspiring podcaster or an amateur podcaster. They want to make podcasting their full-time thing, but they're not there yet. They're on their way. And then obviously you've got the Joe Rogans, what we call professional podcasters that are actually that the business is the show. The challenge is that all of those people, the advice or the best practices or the things that I would recommend for each of those people to do are different for each of them. I actually sit in a lot of those buckets. 21st century work life is for my business. Management cafe is for my business, but it's more about catching up with my co-host because he's someone I've met in my business space. And we just meet up to talk about management stuff that we really like, and we podcast about it. <laughs> and then there's Adventures in Podcasting, which is the freest one, because it's about podcasting. And there I'm not trying to do anything apart from just talking about podcasting. And then I had one about food with my friend Tomas in Spanish, and we just did it again because we wanted to talk about that. To your point as well, even the same person will podcast differently in different shows. And you approach things differently because, as you said, success is different even for each show for the same person. I've heard podcasts are like tattoos in the sense that once you get one, you just want to get a lot of them, like you can't stop. But also I have three shows that I'm currently hosting. Although it is fun, people have a different perception of what having a lot, a number of podcasts is. So what's that been experience been like for you and in, in juggling all those different things? I really wish that there was only one that I just wanted to do one because I see my fellow podcasters who only have one show that they can really focus on it and they can build a whole ecosystem around it and therefore the thing can grow and it can grow with your full focus and you can take grow your audience with you and you can take your audience with you. Whereas when you're doing, especially if you're doing shows in different spaces, then your attention is fragmented. Mine is. My audiences are fragmented. So the person who listens to the show in Spanish about food is not listening to Management Cafe, probably. Some people just go with you because they like you as a podcaster, and that's really lucky. It's fragmented. However, it also means that there are elements of podcasting that you get better at faster. I still do my editing, even sometimes have someone polishing some of the end products, but I still do the editing. And for that, I've got so much faster. 
and so much better. I've also got better at hosting the things and having to jump sometimes from one mindset to another also makes you more nimble. And so there's a lot of learning in doing different kinds of shows, but also you have to be very organized and you have to really like all of them. (laughs) As well as a lot of time, it's also a lot of switching. I think that's something that a lot of podcasters deal with is that there is so many different hats. I like it because I get bored often. And so if I had to do one thing over and over again, it would be very hard for me if I just had to focus on the editing or even just just hosting. One part of it, I actually like being able to do all the different parts of it. But I think that's also creates a challenge because to your point, there's only a certain amount of time. We only have a certain amount of reps. And so we can only get better at, there's a limited amount of things that we can improve at. And so we just have to be diligent or intentional with that decision. Having one show is enough because you've got to record, you've got to edit, you've got to write show notes. If you want to promote it, there's all these sorts of things. And and then it's next week already and you got to do another episode. Multiple shows create some extra complexity. You being the only person doing it I would imagine, creates some extra excitement, if you will. How did that evolve? Was it always easy? Was there a time where it was more frenetic and you found something to make it a little easier? Or has it gotten more complex as things have grown? What has that journey been like? Some of the shows very intentionally I do with co-hosts. So Management Cafe and what used to be Gastro Nostalgia and when I was in Facilitation Stories. For me, a proper co-host means that they co-host the whole show, not just that there's two of us behind the microphone. So for example, for Management Cafe, my friend Tim, he does the audio quality. So he listens back to the file once I've edited it and he does the show notes and puts the blog post up. So that is a good division of labor. So working with a co-host has been very important and has been part of me being able to do some shows. Then I've just set up the same process for everything, which is the classic Trello board with all the different episodes I use. Again, my co-hosts have been very flexible with this and they've gone, yeah, Pilar, if that's how you want to set up the board, that's what we'll do. So my boards are set up in the same way so that I understand where my work is and it looks similar for all of them, more or less. How many episodes for all the three shows are in production at any given time? I do 21st Century and Management Cafe are fortnightly. And both of those shows, there've been times when they were weekly, but that is too much for me. 21st Century has the shows, the episodes are about an hour long. So they're long shows. Management Cafe very deliberately are shorter, around 25, 30 minutes. Another thing that helps with the workflow for Management Cafe is we batch record. So we'll do three episodes in one session and then that's done. And then if I have time, I can get ahead of myself, et cetera. So that's another thing is really understanding what is going to help me get the work faster. And again, get into a flow. I think the problem is when you're doing more than one show, it's more difficult maybe to get into a flow. Just looking at that is easier. So similar workflows, a good Trello board (laughs) and good co-hosts really helps. We use Notion. Trello is a great Whatever you use doesn't matter. But what I've found is that having something like that is helpful. Otherwise, I don't know how you juggle all of that stuff. I have a good friend. He's over 100 and some odd episodes in. And everything is in folders on his desktop. And it's really hard to know what is done and what's not or where he's at with certain episodes. We haven't really talked about the co-hosts or maybe it is the having the systems and stuff. How do we get ourselves to keep doing it? There's so much 
pod fade that happens, right? 60% of shows don't get to eight episodes. And then 90% of shows don't get to 25 episodes. And then infinitesimal percentage of shows get to 100. And so the longer that it goes on, the harder it seems to carry on. How did you manage to persist? And then not only just with one show with multiple going on? The topic is really important and the topic can evolve. So for example, with 21st Century Work Life, I started with how the world of work and our attitudes to work are changing. That was the tagline. And I used to do episodes about any kind of 21st century work and remote work. And then I saw what the audience wanted and where we were getting the feedback and what the audience was morphing into. And I went straight into just remote work. And within that, to keep going, I just had to find the different bits that were interesting. So what was interesting about it? There was interviewing people who were setting up companies was one, but also what is the well-being aspect of remote work? Also, what is the technology about remote work? And for me, it's really been about being able to segment a big topic and finding different things that I wanted to explore at different times. I've also played with the format a lot. There was a time where I had a, a magazine style, so I had three different sections in the show. Then I started to do, okay, instead of just bringing in one guest per show, let me interview three or four guests and then chunk the interviews to make three episodes up with different topics with those three same guests, but a lot of editing in the middle. For me, as a creative person as well, I've just needed to change the format to stay interested with that show. There have been times when I've said, okay, this is the year I stop this show because what's the point? Something catches my eye or an article or something happens in the remote world of work and, some, and everything changes. And then I get excited about it again. And then I keep podcasting. It's been the place where I talk about that topic. Now I'm going to change that now because the world of remote has gone mainstream. And so there's lots of shows about it. There's lots of shows that are not about remote work that touch on it. And so now I'm like, I don't need to be in this space anymore. So let me go back to the general world of work because then I can interview loads of people that I've been wanting to interview for ages. For me, it's been about just making sure that I still enjoy talking about the topic. Like, for example, I used to have a show called Word Maze, which was about writing. And that I just did for myself because I was learning to write. So I wanted an avenue, but I like to write, but I don't really like talking about writing that much. So that show has finished. Or, or the Spain Uncovered. I said all I had to say about Spain. I don't want to say anything else. So for me, it's really been about making sure I enjoy talking about what I'm supposed to be talking about or changing it. Or changing it. There's this advice that's going around that it all needs to be the same and it needs to be exactly, it all needs to be uniform. And maybe to an extent, there's some validity in that. but also. I think some of the best podcasts are the ones that are willing to experiment and do things a little bit differently and find stuff that works for their audience. And that also helps the creator as well, keeping things fresh there. There's all these happenings in the podcasting world and you could pick AI or you could pick Spotify, layoffs, doom, gloom, amazing, invest. You could pick whichever route you know, if you want to be happy or sad. There's plenty of news to go around for both of those. But when you look forward, both with regards to your shows and then also podcasting as a general landscape, what are you either paying attention to or excited about or even nervous about what's catching your attention? What I found now is that with generative AI, I can rein that back in. And what that is doing, the most exciting part about that is that I can, 
again, experiment a little bit more. What do show notes look like? What do I want to offer? Is it a blog post? So it's helping me to experiment around the episodes, around the audio. I have been thinking as well, should I clone my voice? And that is one of these things that I'm thinking, no, because I enjoy doing this thing. <laughs> I enjoy being behind the microphone. And actually, I enjoy being behind the microphone more than I would write. And I'm seeing as well what the podcasting platforms are starting to offer. They're integrating the technology. And so we don't even have to go outside of the platforms. They will do everything for us now. I think Riverside, where I record now, they can generate your show notes. I'm not in the plan that allows that and we'll see what that does. So basically what I'm really having to think through is what do I really want to keep doing? And it's almost starting to think again because it's a very different world. And also podcasts are very different now. What a podcast is very different. We're also here recording with video today, which I don't record video for my shows. And I was thinking, okay, why is this? Okay, I don't have a setup. I always need to fiddle around with stuff if I want to do video. And I don't want to do that. But at the same time, I'm thinking, you know what? I think I'll be the one that doesn't do video. <laughs> we'll see what happens. And we'll see what happens. So that's one thing that I'm looking at is just continuing with audio. In the podcast space, nothing makes me nervous. I have to say that I found it easier to get audience numbers to increase when I started. My new shows now, it's like, oh, come on, let's get some audience in. But also I don't do probably as much talking about them as I used to do then. But then again, when I did the challenge in November, I got lots of feedback from the small numbers of listeners. And that is really important. All great stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about AI too. We've, we've got some quite a few resources on AI and especially with regards to show notes, some cool ways that we found to, to be able to do that. And the voice cloning, I've sat with that a lot too. I also enjoy talking more than writing. I've always been fascinated with the idea of creating characters or Walt Disney has been a big idol of mine, if you will, and the ability to infuse and create characters or create different things. That is something just starting to play around with that a little bit. But I think there's something there for people to be able to now you used to need voice talent, you used to need animators, you used to need all these things in order to create, you needed designers, you needed all these things in order to create whether it's a cartoon or an animation or, or some sort of intellectual property. And that's just not the case anymore. You can whip it up with a lot of free tools. So I'm excited about that stuff and it should be exciting. For the listeners, in your opinion, Pilar, what has been the secret to your podcast success? There is one thing and it, it is that I am a voiceover artist. I've been a voiceover since 1998. I do less and less now because, again, I decided not to go with the trend that the profession was going in and go, you know what, we'll see. If that work can dry out, that's fine. So I think that comfort from the beginning behind the microphone, I don't take it for granted. That I've always, listening to my voice, I've been listening to my voice for years and it doesn't matter what it sounds like. I'm just so used to it. And that has helped a lot because when you have to start to edit yourself, <laughs> if you're not used to your own voice, that is a stumbling block. And also I've taken that opportunity of editing myself, which a lot of people don't like doing, but I love it. And that's really helped me to become a better podcaster as well. So being able to edit, to read the WAV files, etc. So I think that my ongoing relationship with audio maybe is why I'm still doing it. 
Pilar, this has been a fantastic and insightful conversation. I uh, appreciate your time, and I'm sure the listeners do too. If y'all stuck around and made it thus far, we would uh, appreciate a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts, especially on Spotify. We're trying to make a little push there. So if you happen to have the Spotify app or you're listening on Spotify now, if you could scroll to the top and hit the stars, uh, there's a star button. You can give us as many as you think that we are worth. Five would be fantastic. We can play on my, my need for validation there. If you know someone who is starting a podcast or has a podcast and could benefit from this conversation, share it with them. Send them a text message. Let them know that you were thinking about them and go get connected with Pilar. Where's the best place to connect with you? And then what are the shows that we can go listen to? The shows are 21st Century Work Life, Management Cafe, and Adventures in Podcasting. Look for me in social media, thin LinkedIn, Pilar or T, or just Google and see. Someone told me the other day, there's the Sandlot. It was like a popular American movie in the 90s. I don't know if it made it to your area. There's a saying where he says, heroes never die, but legends last forever. It's like kind of this old kind of memorable saying. And it got me thinking like, in our world, it's like TikToks get remembered, but podcasts never die. Yes, I like that very much. <laughs> That's the truth. That's what we'll leave you with. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We appreciate you being part of the pod fam. We'll see you on the next one. Later, y'all.